And if you, if you please rise for the scripture reading. Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with blood, with blood and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their, to their number daily those who were being saved. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lay down and when you get up. Tie them as, a, as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Stay standing as we pray. Father, would you speak to us through the wisdom of your word, through the Bible, as you, Jesus, are revealed. That is our prayer this morning. Lord, speak to us. Your servants are listening. We pray this in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The people of God said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We are in a sermon series called Grow, and we're talking about the things we do to grow towards God. And it's sort of a discipleship 101 sermon series. And today we are going to talk specifically about Scripture, the Word of God, and the Bible. And I've seen more people grow through this than anything else. I think of the strongest Christians I know, the strongest believers, the most faithful people I know are people that know the Word of God. And it's kind of like this. This whole sermon series has kind of been like, in some ways, especially today, it's like a parent standing up here talking to their kids saying, eat your vegetables. I know you don't like them, but eat your vegetables. And we have four little boys and a dinner conversation, as you might expect, is often, come on, guys, eat the good stuff. They don't want to eat the good stuff. Wouldn't you rather, if you were a kid, have the chips and the candy and the soda and the things that aren't good for you? But, but we say in our house, we got to eat the good stuff, guys. And the only thing that seems to work uh, for our kids, and it, it, I don't even know that it works, but sometimes we've had some success with this, is that we, we tell the kids, the end result. We say, do you want to be strong? And they're like, yeah. They're all, all little boys, and they're flexing their muscles. And it's like, do you want to be strong? Of course they want to be strong. And do you want to run faster? Of course. Look how fast I can run, Dad. And, he, and you know, they run across the room. And, and then they want to be strong. They want to be fast. We say, well, if, if you want to be strong, if you want to be fast, if you want to be healthy, well, then you need to eat the right things. And so today's message is in some ways, like, if you want to grow, if you want to grow in the Lord, the way to do that, one of the many ways, I think one of the best ways, is to read Scripture, to study Scripture, to get into Scripture. So today we're going to talk about this first verse that Sydney just read for us, Acts 2.42, that says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
So the first point here today is to devote ourselves, devotion to Scripture. I'm going to tell one more kid story. There's, there's a, every sermon has, can have at, least, at most two stories about the pastor's kids. So here's the other one, and then, and then no more about kids. Um, so it's very easy to see kids devoted to things. It's all they talk about, all they think about. A year ago, Jay was turning, uh, he was turning five, and all he could think about was what he was going to get for his birthday. And what he wanted for his birthday, it's, I'm sure maybe none of you have heard of this toy, because it's pretty interesting and weird, uh, it comes from Australia. It's called a trash pack sewer dump with liquid ooze. You got one? You got <laughs> So he would, he would tell people, he'd just go up to strangers, it's my birthday pretty soon. It's like, oh, great for you, kid. Uh, what, do you, what do you want? What are you going to get? And he would say, oh, my parents are going to get for me a trash pack sewer dump. And they just look at it like, who are your parents now? <laughs> A piece of trash with a sewer? What in the world? And he was devoted to this thing. He would just want to watch YouTube videos of other kids playing with this little toy. He would watch unboxing videos of some kid getting this toy and playing with it. He devoted himself to a trash pack sewer dump with liquid ooze. And that's all he talked about. That's all he wanted. And finally the day came. We got him one for his birthday. And he was an expert. He was showing us all the trap doors. And the, the little guys are called trashies. They stick upside down in this spot. And they go down this little slide. And look at this, Dad. The toilet opens up. And they fall through the toilet. Isn't that awesome? And they're like, yeah, that's cool. And as a, as a dad, it was, just, it was actually pretty cool to see um, him just be an expert in this little toy. Like he knew, I was like, wow, I didn't know that could flip over like that. He was just an expert at it. And I think, what are we devoted to? You know, kids, it's easy to point, you know, say, oh, they're devoted to uh, dinosaurs, or they're devoted to soccer, they're devoted to trash pack sewer dumps with liquid ooze. But what are the things that we are devoted to? I think everyone's devoted to something. Uh, some of those things are good, some of those things are, are bad, some of those things are wasted times, but we can be devoted to things. I thought about the news, or sports, or movies, or being outdoors, or exercise, family, our spouse, our kids, our family. What are the things we are devoted to? In this passage, Acts 2.42, there's four things that these, these believers are devoted to, and they're wonderful things. These are things that are birthed in the church, the first church. These people are devoted to these things, and the church grows wonderfully. And here we are today, years and years later, looking back at these first century Christians and saying that they devoted themselves to four things. To the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I'll read those four again. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, listening to the things that the apostles taught. They devoted themselves to fellowship with one another and what they believe and, and building each other up. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, taking communion, celebrating uh, the death of Christ inside of us. And finally, they devoted themselves to prayer. So these four things they devoted themselves to. And I want to specifically today talk about the apostles' teaching. These things that the apostles taught would become the New Testament for us. So if we today... Uh, took this verse literally, literally and said, let us do this. Let's devote ourselves to these things 
For us, the Apostles' teaching has been written down and canonized, and it is the New Testament. And we would take a step further and say, well, many times the New Testament refers back to the Old Testament. So we are looking at the full spectrum here of Scripture. When we devote ourselves, we talk about devoting ourselves to the Apostles' teaching. We're talking about devoting ourselves to the Bible. So there's a call today. I'll, I'll talk about the Apostles' teaching in a minute. But there's a call today to read Scripture. Eat your vegetables, kids, come on. It's a call to read Scripture because of what it does inside of us. Because we will grow really, really strong as Christian believers. We will follow God, and God will be with us, and we will know Him more fully if we read, memorize, look at the text of Scripture. So today it's a call for some of us to, to get the Bible up, to dust it off. To put it in a place where we'll see it. Maybe for some of you uh, more technologically savvy, it's, it's, it's a call to download that Bible app you've been thinking about. Some, for some of you, it's, it's a call to, man, I know I want to read the Scripture. Maybe you were in a Bible reading plan, and maybe that oftentimes, I know in my life, I'll be really excited about reading the Bible in January, and that will last till February. Uh, like, I'll read a Bible in a year program, and it's like, I need those reminders in February, March, April, and then here we are in July. So, like, yeah, I, I want to get back in. I want to read Scripture because I know that there is growth when we read the Scriptures. When we devote ourselves to them, when we study them, we grow. The, I'll, I'll pick on Sydney who read, and maybe not pick on her, but honor her. She was the, the, the lady that read. Uh, she was our first baptismal candidate. The, the day we launched weekly, about five months ago, we baptized Cindy. And she was like, what do I do? I, I want to I get strong. I want to read the word. And, and so he's like, do you have a Bible? She's like, I think I do. But, and so we gave her another Bible. We put her name on it. And she thanked us, and we, everybody cried, and we, we presented it to her at a prayer meeting. And then she's like, well, I, I want to be able to read it. So she got, gets on Amazon, and she downloads Bible study pamphlets, and she starts reading and studying the Bible. Just what an image. Here's someone who's a brand new believer with all this passion. It's like, what, what do I do? Tell me what to do. Well, read the Bible. How do I do that? Well, I guess get some study guides and read the study guides. And just she would just devour Scripture. And look at her now. It's been a few months Five months since we launched, and Sydney is in front of all of us reading the text of Scripture, and what joy it was to hear you and see you, Cindy. Um, that was wonderful. I remember when I fell in love with Scripture. I, I remember the summer. For me, it was uh, in college, and uh, I had my summer off, and I had a friend in Florida, which which that's not a good place to go in the summertime, by the way. But he invited me to, to go to Florida. He, he had a bunch of roommates, and they all left to go back home, so he had a bunch of rooms and beds. He said, yeah, just come on down. You can spend the summer with me. And I thought, that'll be great. I would be like a vacation. So I went to Florida and spent uh, a summer with my friend Bo, and he worked at a church, and uh, it was a wonderful experience of getting really involved in this church and volunteering. And, and after a couple weeks, I, I became bored, and people asked me, what are you doing? So he was 
egg in the eye. I said, there's no way you can read the Bible. It's like a thousand pages. Genesis to Revelation, there's no way you can do it. Well, I sat down, and for days and days, days, 40 days, it just kind of happened that way. It was pretty cool. Uh, I read the Bible for hours and hours every day. I would have the Bible in my cargo pants pocket of my shorts, and if I had 10 minutes or something here and there, I'd pull it out and, and, and read 10 minutes here and there and hours at a time if I had an afternoon, and I ended up finishing it in those 40 days, and it was the time in which, like looking back in my life, this call to ministry, this call to understanding the Word of God, I mean, if you're like me, before you read, uh, before I read the, the entire text of Scripture, I knew the story of Samson, I knew the story of David, I knew the story of Abraham and Moses, but I couldn't, I didn't really know how they all fit together. And this summer, reading the whole text of Scripture in one summer, I fell in love with Scripture. It wasn't something that, for me, it wasn't like, eat your vegetables, and this is like a painful thing I was doing. I truly fell in love with Scripture and knowing it. It's like, wow, these stories are not just coming alive, but these stories are all making sense in the story of what it is that God does. So let's back up for just a second and, and talk about uh, this passage. So Acts 2 is what we've been reading, so I'm kind of re-going re back in case... I'm losing you here. Acts 2.42 says that these, these early church believers, these first Christians, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I made the argument that, well, that's like devotion to the Bible. How did I get there? Who are the apostles? We had a, we had a, a core meeting uh, this last Wednesday, and we were talking about, well, who are, well, what is an apostle? What's the difference between an apostle and a disciple? And how, how many of them are there? And we said, well, obviously there's 12, because it talks about the 12. But then if you, if you get into the numbers, you kind of get confused because you're like, okay, the 12, but then there's Judas who does it, becomes, he, he betrays Jesus and then he kills himself, so he's, he's not one of the 12. But then they replace Judas in Acts chapter 1 with a guy named, Bible trivia, anybody? Matthias, wow, like four o'clock you did, I'm impressed. So Matthias gets replaced uh, by Judas and... Um, and then, then you're like, well, what about Paul? He was an eyewitness account of Jesus because Jesus appeared to him. Wasn't he one of the apostles? Yes, he was. So, so you kind of have to get over like the, the exact numbering and, and get into the Greek here. The, the word apostle means a messenger. The word disciple means a follower of God, a follower of Christ. And if you take this passage, Acts 2.42, which says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, who are they talking about? They're talking about the eyewitnesses, the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. The ones who saw him, the ones who walked with him, the ones who ate meals with him, the eyewitness accounts. Have you ever heard a story uh, from an eyewitness, um, and they're telling you the story, forgetting the fact that you were there as well? This happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was in California. I went back. That's why I wasn't here a couple weeks ago. And uh, my friends were telling me the story of when Brandon and some of the guys got onto the roof of Fuller Seminary and were repelling off and making all this noise. And there was a night class going on. So the guy telling the story, we were just all sitting around eating a meal. And he was like, remember that time, guys, when Brandon and those guys, and I was one of those guys. I shouldn't have done this. My proudest moment, but it was really fun. So we got our harnesses on. We were all in a rock climb. We got our harnesses on. We got ropes. We climbed up onto the buildings uh, of Fuller Seminary. We were walking around up there and rappelling down. And we were making a bunch of noise. And the guy telling the story was in the class. He was taking a night class. He was like, yeah, the teacher was 
so upset because there was like all this noise. We thought there was an earthquake at first, and we were giggling. And uh, he said, "Yeah, the teacher called security." And then, and then we like we remember, it's like, "Oh yeah, security came out there trying to shine their flashlights up there, but we hid and we got away. <laughs> we fell down." And we were just telling, you know how it is when old friends get together. We were telling the story, and then I finally said, "I was there. I was with Brandon." He said, "Oh yeah, that's right." And I was like, "Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That was a that was a faithful telling of the story. You got all the facts right." Eyewitness accounts are that's that's what we have. When it comes to who Jesus was, we have the eyewitness accounts of what he did. We have, uh, think about this as, uh, as a kid or as a, as a new believer, uh, I would always talk about, uh, I was thinking about, but what if you had one question to ask God? What question would you ask God? Or, or what if you had, you know, like one moment, you had five minutes with God, what would you say? What would you do? And in the case of the apostles, they had... Hours. They had, they had, I think about like, uh, some people talk about their, their morning coffee with God. Well, the apostles, they literally, God, I don't know if they had coffee back then, but they had whole meals with God. At the core of who the, Jesus is, as Christians, we believe he is God himself. So the apostles got to spend meals with God, days with God. Like, what if you got to go fishing, spend a day fishing with God? Well, that's what the apostles got. What if you got to travel with God from one city to another by foot, spending all this time together? Well, that's what the apostles got. So the, the, the early church devoted themselves to these first-hand accounts of what the apostles said. Why? Because they were first-hand eyewitness accounts to who God was. And they're trustworthy. I think about apologetically speaking, uh, doing apologetics is defending our faith. I think through this argument that the apostles truly had to believe that who Jesus was, was God, because they were willing to die for it. It's very unusual to, to have someone, especially 12 people or even more, we, we take a name them all, people willing to die for something that they knew to be a lie. The apostles believed what they saw. They believed that Jesus was who he said he was, and they, they were willing to go to death for that. So what did the apostles teach? This is the second to the last point here. Let's talk about the apostles' teaching. What is the apostles' teaching? What is the core of the apostles' teaching? Think about that for a second. Like, what is what is it? Like, if they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what was truly at that core of what the apostles believed? Well, it's it's the answer to this question is the answer to pretty much any church question or any Sundays to the downstairs, there's kids, and, and, and a question will be asked, and the answer is almost always, Jesus. Jesus. Like, who's with us at all times? Jesus. Who will help us in our time of need? Jesus. Who's the first? Jesus. Who's the last? Jesus. Who's everything? Jesus. When you're in trouble, who are you going to call? Jesus. He's the one who is the answer. And that, of course, is the answer to this question. Jesus is at the core of the Apostles' teaching. Listen to this. This comes from the Apostles' Creed, which is, was, was composed very early in the church. And it, it's, it's the, the creed by which we have uh, gotten the Nicene Creed. Maybe you're more familiar with that one. But the Apostles' Creed starts off and says, We believe in God, the Father, the Creator of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. What Dan talked about today is he uh, prepared uh, our hearts for giving of the offering. That Jesus is Lord. He is Savior, and He is Lord. 
He is God of all. He is the one who was and is and is to come. He is perfectly a human and perfectly God at the same time. And that is the center of the apostles' teachings. That they spent time with God himself. When Jesus taught, it was God himself speaking. Now, I was talking to an atheist not too long ago. Not a devout atheist, but just someone who said, Yeah, I don't really believe in God. I guess I'm an atheist. And, and his thing was, there's all these religions out there, and, and even in his mind, it's like even all the Christian groups, they kind of seem to be arguing about this or that. And it, his main question was just a true question for me. Well, well, what is it? You know, what is at the core of what Christians believe? You know, what makes Christianity so different? What is really at the core? Like, can, can you summarize the whole thing for me? And I said, sure, that's easy. Jesus is at the core of everything we believe. That Jesus is fully God and fully human. That separates the religion of Christianity from every other religion on the face of the earth. It's what unites all Christians together. That we hold to the, the belief, the hope, that Jesus is fully God. If we get that, then all things can be uh, almost like a lens. Can be looked through Jesus as Lord through everything else that we believe. Things like the Old Testament. Well, what about this story and that story? Well, let's interpret that through Jesus, what he said, what he did, because he is the perfect representation of God on this earth. And that we should never lose sight of this as believers. Our hope is fully in Christ. And so the call to read Scripture is a call to get to know Jesus more. I think sometimes people confuse uh, the reading of the Bible, like like how I started. It's like, oh, it's just something I have to do. I know I have to eat my vegetables, as a kid would say. I, I know I should be reading the Bible. But once you do, once you fall in love with Jesus and get this beautiful, wonderful, uh, hopeful idea that, that Jesus, the man, is in fact Jesus God. And then let's read about him. If you're not sure where to start, some of you uh, might afterwards go, okay, I, I, I'm good. I, I want to do this. I want to read the scripture. I have a Bible. Where do I start? Well, for me, it's like, well, if everything kind of wraps around and, and goes through Jesus, well, then start with the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, the first-hand accounts of who he was and, and what he said and what he did. And then we will be filled with awe. The last point of, of, of this sermon here is, is to be filled with awe. It says that the, these early church uh, people in the first century, they, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to these different things, and then they were filled with awe. We can't manipulate awe. We can't manufacture awe. We can't do these things or do this equation, and then God will do something awesome, and we will be filled with awe. Awe happens sometimes when we least expect it. Awe happens, the works of God. They sometimes happen when we do ask and we do expect it. But we can't manipulate it. We can't, like, we, we can't manufacture it or else it isn't awe. Awe comes about when the glory of God comes to us and we have these stories. I think about some of the stories for us as New Life Man is as we have devoted ourselves to Scripture again and again. And we read the Deuteronomy 6 that, that when we get Scripture, when we impress them on, their, on our children, when we talk about them at home, and when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up, when we talk about Scripture, and we tie them and make symbols out of them, and we remind ourselves of Scripture, then the Lord continues to do things. And we, if we're faithful, the Lord will bring us stories and wonders and awe will come.
come about. I think about uh, our church, we're uh, about a year and four months old as far as meeting monthly, then uh, five months ago we started meeting weekly. And through this time, we've, we've had some stories. The Lord, I, I know, has filled me with awe at different times. I think about when we first started meeting, some of you, I'm looking around, some of you were there when we met uh, at the city council, uh, the city hall, and to meet at the city hall, we got, had to go to a city council meeting, and some people stood, they just didn't know us, and they had expectations, they had thoughts about who we were, and some people stood up, one guy in particular stood up and said, these, these guys are, they're, they're not good, but we, sh we shouldn't welcome them into our place, uh, into our town hall, they're up to no good, and we were just sitting there like, no, we're up to good, that's what we want to do, we're all about good, but we were just quiet and listened, and, and, and the city council did approve us, and we were able to meet, and then we got an opportunity to, to help the, the same guy that stood up and kind of just said, we don't want these guys. Uh, there was an opportunity to, to help sandbag. He led this little coalition. And so for a couple hours, we put dirt into a bag with this guy. And he looked around and said, these guys are really here to help. Like they, they said they were, but now I believe it. Now I see it. Just a quick morning, putting dirt into a bag. And then there was a subsequent meeting where we wanted to rent the park. And this guy, the same guy, stood up on our behalf and said, these guys are great. They, they, they were the only ones that came out and helped me put dirt into a bag. And like, that's all that happened. I was just filled with all. Like, wow, the, the Lord, the Lord must have did that. And all we did was put dirt in a bag. And, and this guy is now singing our praises in, in these like, wow, that was, I was filled with awe. Uh, just this last week, um, on Thursday, we did a family movie night in the park. So some of us were there, we volunteered. Uh, some of you got looking around, some of you made popcorn and cotton candy. And we, we, we did this movie night in the park, just a fun night. And it, it was kind of just a marketing thing. Like, we, we want to get out there. We want to show people, that, uh, to give, up, give faces to the name of New Life Manitou. And it was wonderful. We, we put on this movie. It was kind of a silly little thing. And as we were packing up, there was this lady who came up to me with tears and said, thank you for putting on the movie night. And I was like, all right, it's just a movie, right? Um, but she's this lady who is very spiritually aware, very Manitou spiritual. She does tarot cards and, and is kind of a psychic. And she came up to me and said, thanks for putting on this movie. Let me tell you a story real quick if I can. I said, sure. I said, well, I have a granddaughter and I don't see her very often. She kind of told me some of the details of the custody of the parents and things. And so she just doesn't see her. And she said, she happened to be here, and I happened to be here, so we got to sit together for the first time in forever and just spend time together and watch a movie. So she's got tears crying, thanking us for putting on a movie night. And I was like, yeah, sure, I guess. And in my head, I was just like, wow, I guess that's why we're here. This, this is what the Lord is doing just through simple things like putting on a movie for our community. Wow, so I, was, I walked away from that night filled with awe, like, wow. The, the Lord is at work here, even through this, this silly little event that we put on. I think about, I was filled with all this last uh, uh, January when, when we were looking for opportunities as a church to serve. If we want to serve managers, where can we serve? And we get a call from the mayor uh, of managing who started a pantry years ago. I think it's been going on three years now. And then she became the mayor. She's busy now with uh, mayor duties. And she asked us, she said, I trust you guys enough. Would you like to take on this pantry? Continue. And I was just filled with awe. Like, wow, that's awesome. Of course. Like, we're here, the city is asking us as a church to put on this thing they've been doing. Wow, of course. 
I think about studying scripture and and as we were launching New Life Management, it was just an idea and a thought. We were studying scripture and reading scripture and being encouraged by the word that yes, we are on this way of planting this church in this place. And the Martin Sarah David uh, found the scripture in Isaiah 41 that talks about when the poor need search for water. You've probably heard us talk about this verse. It's a wonderful passage in Isaiah. And it stands out just because it sounds like Manitou. It says, when there's people in need, well, then the Lord is going to give them what they need. And in this circumstance, in Isaiah 41, you can read it later, it talks about springs. And Manitou has springs. It talks about a stream running through the valley. And the Lord is going to do this. And then there's trees that are going to grow. The Lord is going to do this because He is then going to take credit for being the one who yes. gives his people what they need. And again and again and again, we thought that the city of Manitou is spiritually dry, that they're in need of the one true Lord Jesus. And if only the Lord would come and he would like walk in water and springs and streams flowing through, then he will be known as the great one, the one who is the Lord of all, who brings his peace to his people. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Would you quiet your heart? There's a wonderful psalm in the Bible. It's, it's a very long psalm, Psalm 119, that, that has all these verses about the word of the Lord, the decrees and the laws of the Lord, the ways of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord. It's in this passage where it talks about the word of God is like a lamp unto our feet, in Psalm 119. Now think about this image of us carrying the word of God, the text of scripture, into the world, into Manitou, Colorado. Colorado Springs, that, that we take this lamp with us, and it's a lamp unto our feet, and we hold it high. We say, Lord, we love your ways, your word, your scripture. Continue to speak to us and light our paths. Psalm 119 says that blessed are those whose ways are blameless, those who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Lord, you have laid down your precepts, your, your ways, your decrees. You've told us the things and your stories of you doing good works. And it's wonderful and it's good. Now we want to devote ourselves to your ways, to your scripture, to your word. Lord, encourage us, Lord. This week we ask you in this prayer, Lord, would you bring your word to us? This week, would we, would we see your book? Would we see your scripture? Would we open it, Lord? Give, it, give us eyes to see and a mind to see what you are telling us through your scripture. Lord, we thank you for this. Lord, we, we pray this in advance, knowing that you are the one who will make yourself known to us. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to say together a prayer that we, that we say almost every week now. It's a prayer to get our hearts, our minds ready for communion. It's a prayer of confession whereby which we say to the Lord that we're sorry for the things that we have done and left undone. And as we prepare for communion, we pray these words. We don't just say them as a congregation. I think it's always, if we get into doing something as a tradition, there's always room for it just to become that, just a tradition, just a thing we say. But let's say these words. Let's pray them together as we prepare for communion. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you from our whole hearts. We have not. 
Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, that we might delight. 